Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being here to honor my dad's life and work. So when Rhea was planning this thing, she asked me to help out with a tribute of a certain... Flavor. Just remember, I'm not a professional. No, 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 Don't lecture me, you fucking can opener. Mace, you better fire it up, dude. Shut your mouth. You're not God or my father or my boy. Drive your fucking Wally Bird. They laugh in New York and they they laugh in San Francisco, but they will not be laughing. Television that captures our imaginations. I'm your host, Anthony Mays, and I'm joined by Jake Hoy and Eden Liu. This week, we went to the market to buy a nice milk cow, but found a fucking T Rex for Succession Episode 6 What It Takes. Now, last week, as I'm sure you've noticed, there was no episode posted. I thought it'd be fine. I thought we could do these last two episodes a little shorter, you know, roll it over into a double episode, got a little confident. And then I watched this episode six again. I think it was a near perfect episode of the show. What? Near perfect? Near perfect. The main plot with the political conference is a lot of new information and it's a bit overwhelming. Definitely. Which is a distraction. But on the margins, this episode really dives into the main character's issues. Mm -hmm. Issues, what the show is all about. And there's a lot of new players in this episode. We've got Jared Mankin. Played by Justin Kirk, the brother from Weeds. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Been a while. Been a minute since Weeds. 
and I only saw a handful of episodes um, of that show, but he's quite memorable. And I feel like I've seen him elsewhere, too. Dave Boyer is played by Reed Burney, who is the eventual vice president from House of Cards. Here he is once again playing a vice president. We've got Rick Salgado, played by Yule Vasquez from Russian Doll, and our <sighs> our favorite show, The Outsider. <laughs> oh God! Oh, who was he in that? He's the oh. FBI agent. He's right. one of the cops. Yes, thank. Yes, dude. We just saw him. Yes, <laughs> I couldn't place him. I couldn't place him for the life of me. That's a good one. And then finally, Ron Petkus is played by Steven Root, the legend, Milton from Office Space. He just wants a stapler. And of course, Barry's handler in Barry. Damn. Nice, dude. I couldn't place him either. You <laughs> solved that one. <laughs> I was like, I. it was driving me nuts. Jake, you know there's this thing called IMDb, right? I know, but I'm, <laughs> I like to try to figure it out over time, though. That's what I'm here for, Eden. I was about to say, Don't but we do a problem with the human IMDb. This is so. what I do. <laughs> I will, you know, in Amazon Prime, I will stop things and go, Ooh, you know what I mean? And scroll yeah, through. Yeah, because they have that x-ray. Yeah. Yeah, because it makes it so easy, right? But like, but I do. I I watched that damn episode twice, and I'm going, "Why can't I place this guy?" I wanted to figure it out for myself. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny how in that first establishing shot, they just cut around for the room to different people, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I say, "Oh, I know that guy. Oh, I know that mm -hmm. guy. Oh, I know that guy." Yeah. And that's all the new players. But that guy was effectively the same character as Barry. You know what I mean? He felt very much the same. It seemed like maybe that's what that character from Barry did in his off time. <laughs> I'm going to take a break from handling assassins to yeah. go hit up a political conference. Yeah, exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fundraise. So there's no cold open this week. We start on Kendall's sinking ship. He's doing a demo deposition with Lisa's team, being incredibly dismissive, not answering the questions. And after Lisa shoots him a look, goes, okay, fine. Uh, well, I approve the illegal payments because I love sexual assault and I love to cover it up. Is that bad? Lisa wants him to be humble, straightforward. Hide the agenda. No agenda. Government employees, how smart can they be? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what you think I think. His wish list is immunity for himself. Task force for Waystar and his dad debted. Lisa doesn't do requests because she's not a DJ. That was a great line. Except a lot of DJs don't take requests either. But. Yeah, I mean, pretty much no one in Kendall's life takes requests. DJs hate getting requests, Eden. You're right I know. about that. Yeah, that is their number one shit. thing. Don't fuck with their flow. Maybe Lisa is a DJ after all. Takes him to a room where they're jigsawing the papers. Hey, paper people. <laughs> Man of the people. <laughs> The man of greetings when he enters the room. It's all he has. Lisa says Waystar is cooperating and flooding the case with a billion pages of documents and making their internal investigation look super scrupulous. The case is no longer a slam dunk. Kendall panics, but the papers. A lot of them aren't usable thanks to maritime law and some other things. Even the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act is inferential, needs evidence, which is the bribing of foreign officials. So you're saying the papers are bullshit? No, they just lack the explosiveness that you suggested. Eden, cover your ears. 
Get under your desk. Oh, no. Buzzword storm incoming. Buzzword flood. I can reposition the context in the public arena. Maybe, maybe, maybe I can flip someone up the tree. I just feel like sometimes we're allowing the tune to be played at my dad's tempo, Lisa, and I'm not sure why. Not my fucking tempo! I have the quote-unquote best lawyer in town. I have the best story. I have fucking receipts. I hear you're concerned. You have a big day tomorrow, okay? This happens the night before. Rest up, okay? Thank you. Yeah, and I, and I, look, I really value all the work you do, honestly, but let's try harder. <laughs> yeah, let's try harder. As he walks Thank down you. the stairs, he gets a frantic text from Greg. Later on, Kendall goes to his deposition in a classic succession move. We don't see it happen, only the aftermath. They ask about any other illegal conduct, and this made me think of Kendall's murder or manslaughter. Mm. His posture is so stiff, he looks hollow. Lisa tries to sugarcoat it. You did fine, but Kendall knows it didn't go well. He tried to find hairline fractures in my story. Meanwhile, my dad's a fucking tsunami of corruption. He decides to throw a loud side-eyed tantrum in the hallway as Lisa is shushing him like a mom in the grocery store. Knows how it works. Dad's drowning them in chicken feed and compliance bullshit until five years go by. They're scared of my dad. Pretend they're on the side of justice, the side of the whistleblowers, but they're chicken shit. That should put a rocket up their asses. And Lisa has had enough. We do not want this to get politicized. Well, everything is politics, so... Kendall, do you think you're smarter than me? What? Do I... What? No. No. Because maybe you are, but I am a better lawyer. You acted high-handed and defensive and then oscillated to wildly over-familiar and glib. You sometimes undermined my status and didn't appear to be frank about your own involvement. But let's take stock, okay? I loved her assessment here. It's... The first time someone's told him the truth in a long time. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Fucking finally. And you know what happens when he hears the truth? Fired. Yeah. Get him out of your life. Get this guy out of here. It begs the question as to why some of this hadn't been discussed already. Obviously, when you hire your lawyer after you're in the thick of things, it complicates things. But... This is his lack of preparation is really kicking him in the ass right now. He's just assuming he has enough to do what he wants to do and also get it done in a in a very quick fashion. Whereas he should know this stuff drags on and on forever. And let's talk about the papers that he does have for a second. Let's go back to it. So Greg pulled the first page of these reports when he was destroying them. Mm-hmm. And saved those. And then Tom made him throw most of those pages in a fire and he grabbed three. Right. So right. he has nothing. Lack of explosiveness doesn't even begin to describe it. Yes, that could be a kind euphemism. But again, like, we don't actually know what these papers have. We've never known, right, exactly what might be in here. That's true, but three pieces of paper. There was the suggestion that there was something meriting going down this road, especially with a high-powered firm like the one he has behind him. You know, they could have told him day one, you know, these papers suck. (laughs) This is just the title sheet. Yep. (laughs) It's just the title, dude. There's no information in here. 
Kendall believing that everything is politics is a direct trickle down from Logan. That's the great speech he gave to Shiv. Politics is people and I can deal with the people. Next scene, Kendall tells Comfrey that Lisa's out. Turns out she's a toxic person. (laughs) Another classic move here to skip the scene where he fired her. Just go straight from her dressing him down to, yeah, she's toxic. She's out of here. It didn't work. This Kendall pivot rings so true to the narcissistic tunnel vision of the character. Soon as you hear something unfavorable, doesn't matter how truthful it is. It's their fault. They're bad. Not you. It's not a big deal. Flip a big name. Boom. It's all good. Now it's time to turn Kendall's attention to his birthday. Big, big, big 4-0. How are we looking? This dude in the white shirt. Shit slaps. Is that his role? Is he there to say that shit slaps? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> to use like, you know, slang like shit slaps. To fuel his buzzwording. I'm loving the out of focus friends that Kendall has throughout the season. Yeah, he does have quite a few of those. Reese, the watch guy, has joined the crew full time. I know. <laughs> it's a big promotion for him. What does that say? What was the one I liked? End times. Waymar meets Carthage meets Dante meets AI and antibiotic resistant superbugs. That's kind of dope, though. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh. this yes man in the white shirt. Knows his job. Lick boots. Mm. Sponge. You like those pancakes? They're so good. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie, feeling these? Okay. Mm. Dude, I'm sorry. I can't. Kind of, these are terrible, man. I'm really sorry. Thank you, Owen. Truly. Okay. And the rest of you liked them? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well... That's very disappointing because they are not good. I knew it. And the reason they're not good is because I put dog shit in them. What? Oh, dang, dude, that's nasty. That's hilarious. The reason that I did that is to see who would tell me the truth. Oh, Con, that's mad smart. He's always two steps ahead. No, no, stop doing that, you guys. This is what I'm talking about. You can't just agree with everything I say. No doubt, no doubt, no, no doubt. It's not helpful. Gotta be honest. No, you're doing it again, all right? Just stop. They name check Zadie Smith, an NYU professor, Chuck D of Public Enemy, and Lucas Matson, who will be played by Alexander Skarsgård in the next episode, who's a tech founder and CEO of Goja. Jess is calling someone nonstop who won't answer any of their numbers. But he's priority one, so get him some new numbers. Meanwhile, we're off to pick the next president. Greg, on the other end of the text messages, all blue. The worst thing you can ever see, Eden, is just nothing but blue messages, no responses. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. (laughs) Including, let me know if you're receiving these. It's such a quintessential Greg thing to say in a text. It sounds fancy, but (laughs) he's really like, hey, are you there? Yeah. (laughs) You up? (laughs) You up. (laughs) You up. (laughs) Greg's with the whole crew on, you guessed it, a private jet. Remember how last episode they said they gave up the jets in the deal? But now in the first scene of this episode, they're back on the Jets? In case they didn't sign the paperwork yet. Or it doesn't matter. They told them to fuck off later. 
We get an acknowledgement that some time has passed because Roman misses Logan's boot. You could hear him coming. Logan shows a Michelle Ann meme to Carrie, the young menial, and Roman believes they're fucking. Shiv is dubious. He hates the close proximity bang. Still really into blowjobs. You just want to give him one. Stop projecting. Logan calls him over. Roman licks his lips. Future callback on that one. Well played, the internet. Logan calls a pregame huddle. Anti-tech. Regulate and strangulate. Stop tech eating our lunch, says Hugo, the slogan master. They put in a new puppet to ease up on DOJ. And Shiv suggests apologizing for smashing the president on the floor. Not our fault the president's brain couldn't thunk good no more. Hugo says take the offensive. Justice Department has a grudge. Logan starts the rumor that the deputy AG is a picture of him on her dartboard. Disgusting. Tom wonders if they have heard that. (laughs) Yeah. We know how Roy rumor can spread like wildfire. Give people syphilis and the like, so... It's only a matter of time. Kendall finally texts Greg back. He's still weighing options. Shiv asks to ride with Logan. She wants it a bit warmer. Logan later opens his window. You gonna be a fucking sourpuss? Shiv expositions that they haven't really spoken since the shareholder meeting. And we get another classic Logan non-apology. Yeah, I remember that. It was a long day. And I was unwell. Concerned about Logan endorsing VP Dave Boyer. But he needs to keep his spoon in the soup. Shiv is also concerned about Roman's input. He fucked the phone call with the raisin. And I wonder, did he? <laughs> Would Shiv have done any better? Seemed like the raisin had his mind made up. Right, exactly. Then brings up his Waystar Studios past in the movie Dr. Honk about a man that could talk to cars. Nuance is required. And then she pats herself on the back for saving the company. Gary! Get Shiv a fucking medal. So pathetic. I feel bad. She's being so pathetic. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, when they're going into the car, he invites her in as Pinky. And so often he says Pinky when he's kind of infantilizing her or or alternately treating her in a kind of semi-affectionate father-daughter way. But then when he rails against her, it's always Shiv. And it's always in the harshest terms. And that's been the... uh, trajectory of this season i mean it's psychological abuse (laughs) yeah it's a demolition (laughs) right i I mean it's just this ongoing just like deconstruction of her her confidence by him and her psyche yep yep i mean she is flailing across this episode in the next one and he brings back pinky at the very end and yes. uses it in the most condescending possible way exactly <laughs> they arrive at the conference Shiv, Roman, and Tom overlook the room. Can really smell the panic. Berlin bunker vibes. It's rather pungent. Miss Libtard, how do you like Spelunkin' and the Elephant's Asshole? This is the first episode that has put Shiv's political leanings under the microscope since she stopped working for fake Bernie Sanders last season. And she's just a corporate observer now. We meet Panhandle Pete, the biggest con head in Oklahoma, who is thrilled to meet his hero. We've also got the return of Mark Lynn Baker as Maxim Pierce, Connor's doppelganger slash rival from the Turnhaven episode that has become his intellectual heft and Beltway Buddha as Connor literally pats his belly. <laughs> You'll remember they settled their differences over a late night bottle of port. Now they're best friends. 
Yeah. How do we think Panhandle Pete got in the room? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the first thing you see when you're they're walking into this hotel is somebody actually getting kicked out. Yes. Obviously, he's trying to sneak their way in, probably to cover it as an investigative reporter or otherwise. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a pretty exclusive group going on in this space. Who the fuck is Panhandle Pete? <laughs> I got the impression that Panhandle Pete was maybe the only senator or representative that was pro-Connor. Oh, so he's a congressperson? That was my read. Mm. Seems like you think he's some sort of Reddit troll that Connor has snuck in here. Yeah, like, like he's a Twitter guy. <laughs> <laughs> Can't handle feet. I mean, what congressman has a handle like that? Oklahoma's the panhandle. Yeah, Oklahoma. Not that surprised when it's Oklahoma. Well, panhandle Pete has come up before, right? In a previous season? Because Connor mentioned him in the comments? Yes. I mean, it's hard to remember. I didn't go back and watch season two, but I feel like this might not be the first mention of Panhandle Pete. That's perfectly valid. When he was testing some kind of slogans when he was first getting his campaign ideas off the ground, mm-hmm. I'm, th- I'm thinking back to that period in the show. Yeah, I was like, who is this guy and why is he here? Narrative convenience. Shiv notes that in a room full of Timothy McVeigh's, Connor suddenly looks like a Roosevelt. Connor introduces a perturbed Willa, his leggy Mary Todd, who's attempting to write her next play on her phone. How did you two meet? Online. That was so funny. <laughs> she's had a couple episodes, though. Yeah, she's been she's been low key. She's getting some time. Willa's been fantastic. Yeah. Justine Loop. I also like that because normally if you met online, you'd lie about it. That's why I love that moment so much. That's the perceived stigma is like meeting online is not great. But for them, (laughs) yeah, it's it's an easy excuse. They're like, duh. Yeah. Close enough. Ron Petkus makes a toast. Thanks them all. Future Freedom Summit. The next president somewhere in this room. He is and he's hard as a rock, says Connor. (laughs) Cheers to the Republic. Shiv notes that Ron blew his son's archery instructor. Some guy with an undercut called Greg Soy Boy, and Tom tells him not to worry. They don't have to pretend to like Hamilton here. But I do like Hamilton. Sure you do, Greg. (laughs) Then Tom expositions for Greg, our audience avatar, that we're picking the next president. Selecto el presidento. Is that, like, constitutional? (laughs) I don't know, Greg. You want to call a referee? Is there an ombudsman in the house? What's an ombudsman? (laughs) Michelle Ann is angry with Logan about the raisin, welcomes them to Clown Town. Hugo asks if Boyer is the favorite and put a pin in that. VP is the cleanest option. Everybody likes Dave. Some guy tells Tom that Boyer is a secret herbivore. Doesn't eat meat. Ron Petkus tells Logan about the lip licking. Some things you can't unsee, bro. Hilarious physical tick to ascribe to someone. It's like he's a cartoon bear and there's always a picnic hamper nearby. British guy congratulates Roman on his mother's impending marriage to Peter Munyon. This is planting the seed for future plot lines. Goes to ask Shiv. They decide to call that firstborn fucker Kendall. Let him know new dad just dropped. They're all surprised by the news. It quickly turns to jousting and they hang up. You with the hate fest fest? Book burnings and burning books and measuring skulls down in Nuremberg, Virginia? What are you doing with your weekend? Planning to send us all to jail? Your favorite? Greg wants to broach something with Tom. 
pretty anxious. Ken might burn him. Tom looks stunned. Are you threatening me? You can't threaten me. I'm immune. Been thinking about this line for a few weeks now. I still can't put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. We know that Tom has been up to something since that dodgy phone call. Yeah. Jason Concepcion thinks that he's wearing a wire, which I think is a little much, but he's definitely up to something. Do you have any ideas what Tom means by he's immune here? No. And yeah, no. I took it as a literal thing in as much as in that moment. He's he's already resigned to his fate more than I, I don't see enough evidence of him wearing a wire. I mean, that's they, they haven't really implied that in a way that I think could be considered credible, you know, especially knowing what we know now. Yeah, his reaction that we'll get to later leads me to believe that he actually thought he was going to jail. <laughs> so it's just he's for show. I'm already at rock bottom. I'm already going to jail. Yeah. You can't hurt me anymore. You can't hurt me anymore. Yeah. yeah. Cause I don't even know what he thinks Greg is about to say. The reaction from McFadden is, yeah, it's noticeable. You can tell something's up. He's playing the character with a ton of anxiety and in this, he's disoriented in ways that we haven't experienced him before this season. He's quest. He does the same thing, or he does a similar thing in the party episode, where with the full of grace comment from the compliment time, <laughs> he Poor completely guy. overreacts yeah. to something that's just totally nothing. Yeah. It's just nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when he said, "Are you threatening me?" To Greg, I was like, where did you get that from? (laughs) I mean, Greg, who barely stammers out everything. You know what I mean? (laughs) I know. Greg of all people. Yeah. Greg just wants advice. He's starting to fall into the prison rabbit hole that Tom's been living in for a while now. Megathump's hole. Doesn't work to stop thinking about it. He prefers to always think about it. And then when you don't, it's like, ooh, someone's loosened their icy grip on my innards. Back in their room, Shiv and Tom have received a case of wine from their vineyard. Spatburgerinder. <laughs> Shiv is grinding tape on Mankin. Headline says cosmopolitan elites have run this country into the ground. He mentions big tech overlords disempowering the white working class. And Shiv has heard that Boyer is losing juice. There's a screw top on the wine. No cork. It's biodynamic. Quite a funk to it. Kind of have to meet it halfway. Earthy, Germanic, lots to unpack. <laughs> not floral, not sugary funny. or vegetal. It's quite agricultural, really. It's not very nice, is it, the wine, Shiv? This all struck me. There was something very theatrical about this scene. I felt like, in some ways, I felt like I was watching a play rather than a TV show. You know, I mean, it was all very a chamber drama. Thing. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny knowing that he's British and she's British as well, right? Australian. Close enough. Oh, she's Australian? Mm-hmm. Um, Don't their flag kind of look the same? <laughs> I'm totally kidding for any any, uh, any British and Australian people. I just had to make the joke. You're canceled. Canceled. No flag jokes. Um Sorry. Interesting. Okay. I mean, there was something about this episode just felt very British to me in general. All the patter, all of the 
machinations going on. But um, yeah, this something struck me about that scene. It was in, in McFadden's performance of it. He I mean, he's he's sinking down into his obsessive thinking about the prison. You know, I mean, God only knows. That's the other thing. I don't think if he were immune, he would have to the 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 obsession with prison would have to be a performative thing yeah. and it doesn't they're not playing it like that yeah it in, seems in, too real exactly right it's consuming him yeah it seems like they've been painting it in a way where it's like every waking moment that's all mm-hmm. he's thinking about is like his last moments like trying to spend mm-hmm. time before i mean he, every scene he's looking at more prison stuff exactly like that is a lot of show if it's show and there's there's a great line coming up in this episode about the prison stuff, so we'll get to it. Shiv wonders if they should pivot party. Tom's prison consultant has told him that the food in jail is really bland, but Shiv doesn't want to talk about it. I love the prison consultant, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. Does the topic of my imminent imprisonment bore you? Shiv can't keep going round and round. Feels bad, so bad that she even tries to initiate sex. That was so cringe, though. For the first time in the show's history. She starts unbutton his shirt, but Tom isn't interested. Not really any point to making love. We're still on contraception. It's just like throwing so much cake batter at a brick wall. That is the worst line I have ever heard in <laughs> any TV show ever. <laughs> Ever. Oh, what an image. This scene was devastating because at this point, you're it, it just They're Shiv done. played it like she's just out. She's not invested in whatever this is at all. Because she's too consumed with her dad stuff. And to be fair, he won't shut up about that it. That is true, It's though. all he wants to talk about. Yeah, but she it does seem like she's not engaged at all. And he bought terrible wine. <laughs> I know, but dude, I mean, he's kind of got it right. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if the bad wine was also trying to acclimate himself to what toilet wine would be uh, like. Toilet wine. Yeah. Shouts to toilet wine. No, 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 no. It seemed no. like he actually wanted it to be good. And it's just oh, such yeah. a horrific failure. Well, well, remember, he said it's from their vineyard. Well, I think he just bought the vineyard because he just found a new passion. Right. So I think the it's yet another thing that they're just not very good at. Uh, I read it that way. Oh boy, we bought a vineyard and it produces shitty wine. <laughs> <laughs> just another layer of incompetence. Down in the lounge, Willa is explaining to Ron Petkus how she's not that interested in being a commercial playwright. I mean, the audience helped you discover that, didn't they, babe? That was funny. Beauty and brains. Will I be canceled? How do you make up things that aren't already there? You don't know the half of it. We talk long into the night. Ideas, literary, global, macro, microcosmo. We bounce off each other. Well, that sounds delightful. You should come to Pound Ridge. Literally, <laughs> bye. Bye. Did these not sound like Kendall lines? <laughs> A little, yeah. There's some trickle down of the Kendall maniacal keyword speech that has reached all of the siblings like roman's Mm -hmm. got some moments coming up it's happening Mm -hmm. for everybody i guess they all get it from logan right regulate and strangulate that's true yeah just the estate being called pound ridge was i I can't too much poor willa a little too much pound ridge is a town 
in New York. Oh, it's a real place. <laughs> no, it's a real I, place. I yeah, no, no. Ranch. no, no, no. Yeah, it's like a wealthy too. suburb. <laughs> <From the boundary. laughs> it's like a wealthy Westchester type oh suburb God. here in New York State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but they picked that on purpose, yeah, though. It was a well-chosen name. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like Mianus, Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which somehow is, seemed to be invented for jackass. Connor showing the collective leg to a huge influential donor irks her. Maybe she doesn't want to donate her body to political science. Connor doesn't seem to mind the nope. idea, right? Absolutely if necessary, not. whatever, whatever it, takes. it takes. Yep. Roman is Googling Peter Munyon, who will be played by Pip Torrens from Preacher and The Crown. Mankin approaches him at the bar, the ghost pepper. People want to fuck him or kill him. Here's his party trick. Tell me who your enemy is, and I'll tell you who you are. Mankin's dark horse in it. They joke about sending people to the gulag. No work camps, summer camps. But with beatings? No, 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 no. Shh, no beatings. Wink, wink. Couple of cool guys having some disgusting fun. And Mankin asks, who takes over when they send the old battle toad off to the Hooskow? Admiral Grope boat. But Roman holds the line. Tom reaches for his phone during a sleepless night and calls young Greg. Nero and Sporus have a late night diner date. And I love this scene. So according to Stephen, my prison consultant, this is, you know, this is kind of what the food is like inside. I'm in training. How's your omelet? That's not, yeah, I'm making some inroads. I'm like, actually glad you called, Tom. It's like Afghanistan. You have to start in the center there. You establish a base of operations, then you have to kind of move out okay. to secure more territory. Yeah, I, uh, I'm worried about prison. I, 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 I just feel because of my physical length, I could be a target for all kinds of misadventure. And it won't taste as good as this either, okay? You have to take off 30 to 50% of the taste of that endless salty gym mat that you're eating. Camel's labia. Yeah, like they wipe their ass on your pillowcase. I know. That's something they like to do. I've read the prison blogs, Greg. I know. Um, look, you know how uh, they're calling you that name around the office, the, you know, the Christmas tree? What's good is to eradicate hope. They can't get you if you got no hope. It's because I think, you know, if you have a crime you need to unload, they can hang it from you like an ornament. I haven't really slept properly in about eight days. They're having two different separate conversations. They both just need someone to talk to that can have a little bit of empathy, and they have each other. It's sweet. They have like a a friend affair. (laughs) No sex involved. But like an emotional affair, yeah. An emotional affair. <laughs> I mean, it borders. It's borderline, though. It's creeping I, I over mean. the line every <laughs> this season. Every ancient Roman allegory. Yeah. Every episode, it gets a little bit closer. Yeah. Greg asks to hook his bobble of corporate wrongdoing to one of Tom's branches, and he accepts. Load me up, you piece of shit. No quid pro quo. It's incredibly kind of you. Greg offers to pay, but Greenpeace stole his inheritance. Besides, all Tom's meals will be free soon. And then there's a particularly grating crunch as Tom stabs a French fry. <laughs> Just to show how terrible this food is. 
A desperate Boyer ambushes Logan on his way to the elevator. They're calling it the ATN primary. Boyer immediately brings up controlling tech and legal overreach. And someone fed him these talking points. I believe it was Hugo. So Hugo in this episode early on wants to know if Boyer is the front runner. He's checking in. And I think that Hugo's making some sort of weird play here because otherwise... It just seems so direct and forced that Boyer knows exactly what to say. Yeah, I would agree. Because each person has been prepped for their appearance by some someone in the camp, right? Everybody's pushing their preferred person to Logan. And Hugo doesn't get to speak up in the room, but it's very possible that this was his move. I agree with you, yeah. Logan repeats the rumor that the deputy AG has a dartboard with his face in it. And Carrie, starting to grow some legs, chimes in that even if it wasn't real, there's a reason it feels like it is, right? Boyer wants to push over the brink, but Logan passes right along, and Boyer licks his lips. Greg explains over drinks that he's suing Greenpeace over a promoted comment on their website that slights his character. His lawyers say that's defamation. Salgado spots Shiv, not trying to bum rush her, but he bum rushes her. Make him president, he'll make her CEO, even if he has to send Logan to prison. The guy gives Tom and Greg prison advice. Tom wants Greg to keep notes. Hoard mackerel tins. You'll need them for bartering. Your toilet is your stair machine. It's your bench. It's your fridge. It's your lover. It's your brother. It's your priest. Oh, and also, most importantly, it's also your toilet. It could be a perfect gentleman. It could also be a horrible bastard. Your toilet could be a bastard? That's the line I was talking about earlier. <laughs> See, the way Tom reacts suggests he he believes he's going to prison, man. Petkus wants Unity to pull the big money. Is Boyer a fighter? Logan needs them to get it and pop. Panhandle Pete pumps up Connor Roy. Brand name, war chest, populist appeal, and he's a fighter. Connor speaks for his father when he offers a firm and robust no comment. But Logan and Petkus could see it. The sword has been pulled from the stone, my leech. That goofball. <laughs> These guys don't want to do anything. They just want to stand around and wait for things to be handed to them. The Connor campaign stone did start rolling downhill in this episode at an almost frightening pace. It was really well done how they did that. Yeah, absolutely. The three main contenders circle up. Salgado, Mankin, and Boyer. Mankin calls Boyer Martin Van Boring. They're the party of the working class. Democrats in tech hold all the wealth. Salgado loves to talk policy. Says Mencken doesn't have one. Mencken says his policies from the 2012 National Review. Salgado wants populist solutions for working families. Mencken jokes he jerked off to Reagan's headshot for 30 years. Now he thinks he's Tom Jode from the Grapes of Wrath. Shiv is bored. She's seen Mencken's thing. YouTube provocateur. Aristopopulism. Rape is natural. It's all red pill, baby. Mankin asks if she's read Plato. Yeah, I read Plato. Remind me, what happens? Mankin loudly says, fuck ATN within earshot of Logan. It's dead. A pudding cup at 5 p.m. in the nursing home. Status quo bedtime stories to maximize shareholder value. Logan Roy was an icon, but he's no longer relevant. We get that wry Logan smile like the end of last season. Roman's still obsessing over Munion. Fucking jellybone, low tea, pip pip cheerio fucker. Mom's marrying some dickhead crooked tooth turnip man. Poor Rome, his dreams of porking mom slipping through his little lubed up fingers. Logan welcomes them to the high council. 
You go ask if Greg is necessary. Just keep your trap shut. Watch. Minimizing the Greg window. A lot of chaff, a lot of flapping. They need one voice so they can fall apart and hand it to the fuck, fuck donkey gang. Who do we like? Shiv thinks it's too poised. Loden doesn't care. It's what we're doing. Who do you like? I like Connor Roy. Everyone's kind of amused, but they respect the confidence. Shiv thinks they should go Dems. Everyone scoffs. Roman likes Mankin, but Boyer, if he has to decide now, even though he doesn't like him. Shiv says Dems would blow Boyer away with change. Ooh, Mrs. Politics. How many big races did you win as a consultant? He flips her off. Carrie comes out of the shadows. The base does like Mankin. And Shiv begins to throw a tantrum. Mankin is an integralist, nativist fuckhead. He's toxic. Oh, toxic. Kendall also used that word. Medicare for all, abortions for none, outside American political tradition. Shiv brings up Waystar's responsibility to the American public. Roman hums the national anthem. Four score years and whatever, my sister did bring forth from her bedroom a cup of milky sputum. Roman says he's shifting the Overton window, and Shiv is surprised he knows what that is. Stop chicken littling us. Stop whispering swastikas in dad's ear. Not going to be the full Third Reich, but she is concerned they could slip into a Russian Berlusconi Brazilian fuck pile. This is interesting because we're now kind of catching up to the Trump thing, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas we, I think we've been watching this show assuming we're present day. And it now turns out that the Raisins probably a more traditional conservative in the Bush vein. And in Mencken is the Trump that is mm-hmm. going to be driven by ATN in the way that Trump was driven by Fox. Right. And so we're now catching up to that, the machinations that can help create a situation like that. That's my read. How about you? I am not the most politically savvy person. Same. It was really interesting to talk to Nando about this episode because mm-hmm. he had a lot of really interesting thoughts and reads on the whole situation. Mm-hmm. He viewed mm-hmm. Mencken as kind of a Trump that would be more effective mm-hmm. because Trump was vastly incompetent. And so even though he was destructive and said a lot of terrible things and did a lot of terrible things, he wasn't efficient at it. And so Mankin is kind of this new breed of like, he'll say all the fucked up shit, but also get shit done too. But he's not a politician, right? He's just a, uh, he's a YouTube sensation or a social media commentator, Ben Shapiro type, like, let's say. He espouses on things, but it doesn't seem like it's unclear that he has any kind of track record in the same way that Connor has no track record. Interesting. I mean, he seems to have more of a legitimate candidacy because they keep talking about his polling and no, it's interesting because he's there right in in a, in a situation which previously they had no challengers to the Republican candidate because he was an incumbent. Mm-hmm. So how do they come up with these candidates to offer? I'm not going to lie. I think because I don't really pay attention to politics stuff like this episode was just boring to me. No, that's completely how I felt the first time. I'm with you. I, I definitely even stopped paying attention in a lot of parts because mm-hmm. I was just like, it's just, I don't mm. care. Like nothing meaningful is happening to me. Uh, <laughs> well, it was a lot to process with so many characters having so many lines and things moving as quickly as they did. And the show is very good at managing the crosstalk 
and having one conversation happening on one part of the room and then jumping to a conversation happening on the other part of the room and like showing the person overhearing something. It was fascinating. And it was, but it was disorienting in a way because we haven't really had any episodes like that yet. We've been only been dealing with the core group of people that we're used to dealing with. Yeah. And suddenly you're like, wow, it's a big party scene. There's all these different characters and you know that 90% of these characters are not going to make it to another episode. Right. I don't feel the need to pay that much attention because like, I just need to see who's whoever they end up picking at the end. I mean, it's probably was more uh, satisfying on the second go round because you could process more of it. Yeah, I could see that. And, and you had, I had more context. It's actually, and I also watched it the second time after having watched the subsequent uh, episode. Right. So I had a little more comfort more, in knowing yeah. where things were going. That's true. Yeah. But I just had zero interest in rewatching it. Like I was like, I wanted, I wanted to, I was trying to put an effort, but I was just like, Oh, so boring. I'm like, I can't do it. Sorry. I did yoga instead. Ah. <laughs> I applaud yourself, Carrie. You yoga <laughs> instead or while, while you were watching. No, I can't do both. <laughs> no, not allowed to do both. That fucks up the chi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, succession I could see not being particularly useful during yoga. Not really in line. It's toxic, yeah. Jake. All right. She's trying to flush toxins. She's not trying to add more toxicity <laughs> yeah. to her system. But I agree with both of you. It was dense and it was too much information shoved down your throat the first time around, especially because you have to take everything that everybody's saying essentially at face value because they're doing yes. exposition and telling us who these people are and stuff. And it's a huge pivot away from where we were. So huge pivot away from the entire show. Right. It's a completely different episode than they've ever done before because it's so intensely political. It was kind of like a dark veep or yeah. even really dark West Wing. It was weird in the sense that we had two episodes in a row where Logan was compromised and borderline incapacitated. And now we have an episode where he's full bore Logan again. He's back with a vengeance. He's fucking. He's on Adderall. He's been steroided up. He's got the blue pills working. He's got a girlfriend and he hates everybody. Yep. But he's totally in his comfort zone. He's where we like him the most right. as the fucking just ruthless CEO. For the show. Yeah, for the show. It felt in some ways like an abrupt shift. Totally fair. I mean, my grievances with the convenient incapacitation of the last two episodes is well noted. <laughs> Roman tells Shiv... She's got a trophy husband and several fur coats. I think you're going to be fine. Logan asks, Shiv, Logan asks Tom, says Shiv talks sense and jives with Salgado. Greg asks if he gets a vote. Sure you do, buddy. You get to vote at the election with all the other folks. Hugo talks up Boyer. Once again, more likely to be flexible with the DOJ. Rumors that the case is weakening and news travels so fast in succession. No one is likely to do jail time with the notable exception of Tom, the Christmas tree. Shiv pivots back to back. Shiv pivots to backing Salgado. Seemed like a really weird backpedal from her just because he said that he'd help her out. Like that's the only thing that <laughs> has happened in that camp. 
Connor objects in your dickless captain of the Tampa Bay Cuccaneers. <laughs> He's a neocon pretending to be a paleocon, but at least he talks base. Going back to the political thing for a second. Remember that as Shiv did run a campaign for who was essentially the Bernie Sanders of succession. Exactly. But she doesn't realize where she is. Right, exactly. But she's gravitating towards the most moderate Republican in the room, right? The most centered. After saying we should switch parties and getting laughed all the way out of the room. Right. That wasn't going to fly. It just seemed to me like Shiv, her political ideologies, which no doubt Mm -hmm. were a struggle growing up in this family, came roaring back after she's been more or less extremely conservative in the last season. And it's now it's now all these opinions are coming out and it's like, no, they're not going to not going to flip blue just because you throw a fit here. Well, I was also reading it in the sense that she's trying to have the big idea, right? Because what Logan seems to respond to is the the most unexpected idea. Right. So everybody's trying to push him towards Boyer. And he's already, he's like, well, if everybody's trying to push me there, I should be looking elsewhere. That's kind of like the tone of of everything leading up to that moment and then the ways he treats Boyer. Like, uh, you know, how are we? (laughs) Right. That's, you know, like he's just so dismissive, even in his. is sort of manufactured friendliness to the guy, right? But he's looking elsewhere. And he calls him Dave when you're supposed to call yes. him the vice president. <laughs> Bring me a Coke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, so it just struck me that, you know, what we've been seeing from Shiv is like she wants, obviously she wants recognition. It's not unlike Kendall, right? She's trying to have the big, bold idea the most unexpected idea and that's what we need and that's what's going to save the day and and she's constantly now battling in the room with roman who's always got the most extreme other end idea also shiv's trying to win the election and she's using her political consulting experience to try to play that out and she doesn't think that the republicans gonna win because she was going to support Bernie Sanders. So it's kind of all just feeding back into itself. Yeah, and it's funny because we have no idea who they're putting up, right? Is it still Eric Bogosian? I can't remember. It might be. Yeah, we have no clue. Yeah, yeah. Tom pretends he's got a phone call from Sid and ducks out, but it's Kendall who's in Virginia and wants to meet. Roman thinks Shiv is so brave for picking the brown man. Should get you a medal, a special medal. Another repetition in this episode. Give Shiv a medal. Shiv makes Roman tell Logan about Caroline's wedding. Logan calls money in a seat sniffer and laughs at their Tuscan wedding, which is where we are indubitably headed. Any idea what seat sniffer means? Following her around, trying to <laughs> smell the seat that she was sitting in. Is, is that a thing? <laughs> Eden, have you had to fend off any seat sniffers in your life? No, I, I, I think I read it as the term brown nosing. It's like mm. the same concept oh okay that could work tom meets kendall at the same diner many people online have compared this scene to pacino and de niro and heat what last great diner face to face huh 
Tom's got his order ready to go. Griddle Hero Special, double hash browns, fully loaded, and a plain waffle and a large cup of room temperature water. <laughs> Kendall is speechless. I might just watch him. <laughs> you know that Rasputin would take a dose of arsenic with breakfast each morning to build up his tolerance. Tom, unbelievable stuff. Does that sound like a guy wearing a, a wire? No, it does not. <laughs> I need more wire evidence, dude. I actually forgot to read the theory. The not taking the shirt off is a pretty good one, but why would he be wearing the wire in his room with Shiv? I don't know what conversations he's privy enough that wearing a wire would help. I guess everything with Logan, but it's a tough case to build. Right. Kendall's always liked him. Tom likes him too, but has notes. Oh no, I have notes. I think mine might be more extensive. Great start, guys. Kendall thinks he can save Tom. Knows about the Christmas tree nickname. Asks if he's interested in a theoretical alternative. As Tom said earlier, he's decided not to tarry too much with hope. Kendall admits his case is fine. Has gaps, but he needs someone to flip on Logan. Tom holds the line. He's a humble servant. Ken admires him. Long way from home. Far from the tree. Played his hand well. Sitting at the top table. Well, I fell in love with your sister. That's what happened. Sure. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. The country mouse and the hot tamale. Kendall has new lawyers. They're fucking amazing. And he offers Tom immunity. Connor is strolling around the room coughing. Shiv brings up Salgado. Roman tells her to quit butt huffing. We all supported your little DC lemonade stand, but this is the fucking real world. <laughs> Logan throws Connor's name out to the room. He could see it. Roman and Shiv struggle to take this seriously. Greg is appalled. They're all fucking weirdos anyway, so why not? No offense, Con. He's a good-looking kid. Smart in his way. Fucking Joe Kennedy did it for his boys. <laughs> Get him in there with a smile and a shoe shine. I would fight so fucking hard for this family, Pop. They asked Shiv for a political consultation. Come on. Well, okay, well, not huge name ID, but the family name will be a factor. And... A positive? One of many? Uh... He's got no track record. Nothing to beat me with. I'm a clean skin. And I guess in terms of presentation and connection skills. Tick, tick. He can walk and chew gum. <laughs> he pisses pretty straight. Pretty damn straight. I piss policy laser. Okay, I mean, are we being serious about this? We're talking about trying to make Connor president of the United States of America. Crap pants. Roman, it's a big tent. Why don't you just come in? Sure, I might call the guy who waxes my balls. He's a possible. They kick it to Greg, who stammers that he would spoil his ballot in Connor's favor. Shiv brings up Salgado again. Hugo calls Boyer. Roman wants to tame Mencken. And the winner in the window for Connor to win the episode has come slamming shut. But he gave it a good run, guys. There was a five-minute period here where it was possible that Connor Roy would be the president I know. Of the world. They had us. They had us for a second there. <laughs> Logan asked Boyer to come over and bring him a Coke. Did you mean to call room service? If you don't have a Coke, could you fire the deputy attorney general? <laughs> I'm kidding. Before Greg leaves, he owes it to his country to say, don't crown or make Connor president. Ken and Tom are leaving the diner. This is absolutely brutal. You know, my dad seems powerful. Shiv seems safe. But, uh, I don't know, you think she'll still be there, waiting for you after prison? 
how exactly does it work if I, if I do come over to you? I mean, how, how is it better for me when I tell my wife, whom I love, and this family that I'm turning against them? How? She'll respect you. Tell her what she's doing, bring her over, Logan goes down, Shiv knows who the fucking man is. Come on, man. But, and I don't mean to be insulting, but having been around a bit, my hunch is that you're going to get fucked because I've seen you get fucked a lot and I've never seen Logan get fucked once. Summed up the whole show. Yep. yep. From episode one till now. <laughs> That's the summary that works for everything. As Tom goes to the car, Ken snaps some photos of Tom. Classy. Oh. You know what they're doing up in the suite? They're picking the next president. I got it. Tom killed in that moment, dude. Yeah. That he good. killed that line. That's classy. I love that moment, man. I loved it. But what is wrong with Kendall? Like, what's he going to do with that? He's desperate. He's grasping at straws. He was yeah. desperate before he even came to the diner. He didn't even put out a strong case to Tom. Terrible case. My case is strong. No, no, my case is good. My lawyers are amazing. It's like, come on, dude. You got nothing. It's like this, the manic episode from episode one continues. Tom returns to the hotel, sees people lifting Greg up, chanting his name and shouting, fuck Greenpeace. And sees Salgado leaving the suite, loosening his tie. Boyer's in there currently. We hear that Logan also wants to buy Gojo. Boyer licks his lips and leaves. Roman and Mankin are in the bathroom together, dressed identically. <laughs> Popular theme right now, Roman doing business in the bathroom. That's his office. That's where he <laughs> met Edward. It's in the next episode. This is just where Roman gets it done. That's where he's comfortable. Roman uses the expression, trip the light fantastic, that Kendall used last episode, which comes from John Milton's 1645 poem, L'Allegro. Come and trip it as ye go on the light fantastic toe. This dancing monkey in dad's bathroom doesn't dance? Is the fascism going to be a problem? Mencken has no boundaries. He'll borrow from anyone. St. Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, Schumacher... But if Franco, H, or Travis Bickle have a good pitch, fuck it, man. I'm for all seasons. There was a very naughty boy named H. Mankin details his philosophy here in a massive info dump. But the main things that he says that I want to point out are people trust people who look like them. And Roman says, you're 6G, we're Betamax, but you need us. A lot of those analogies of what Waystar is compared to other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They come to an understanding here, and Mankin asks, where's Roman at? He's creeping on the come up, got some ideas, and now it's time for Roman's buzzword-filled vision of the future. Sluice out the fucking porridge and add some sriracha. Poach some of those TikTok psychos, you know, e-girls with fucking guns and jewel pods, you know, give me some straight shot. Blacks and Latinos, no more of this fucking pillows and bedpans. You know, we're strictly bone broth and dick pills. Deep state conspiracy hour, but with like a fucking wink, you know, funny. And the whole show is kind of set up for the star. President Jared Mankin. And this is where I go back to the Trump thing. And 
the benefit that Trump had on the media in terms of the CNN ratings, the Fox ratings, et cetera, everybody was up thanks to Trump, right? And you remember in the first Trump campaign, CNN was like just having cameras on his uh, rallies when he wasn't even on stage yet. You know, and the imbalance of coverage just because of how much people enjoyed watching Trump, no matter whether they supported him or not, um, was good for business, you know. So politics only matter in as much as they benefit the business here. Eden, a lot of people are talking about sexual tension here between Roman and Mencken in the bathroom. Was that on your radar at all? Were you picking any of that up? Cause I didn't, I didn't, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. There was definitely some weirdness though. But then again, I, I w will admit I was literally paying like 65% attention. You were drowning in political buzzwords at this point. This checked out at this point. Like I'm so bored. Like <laughs> there was some homoerotic tension going on in this scene. I mean, first of all, it opens with Roman greasing up his hands with lotion as one does. And yeah, that's <laughs> yeah I mean, how often does that happen? Hey, let's go in the bathroom and I'll start lotioning up my hands with you. So, I mean, there was definitely, you know, they've been playing this a lot this season with multiple characters. And, you know, Roman is so unknowable in that and, and so, you know, off in his own head that who knows what's going on. But there definitely seemed to be, they definitely seemed to be doing it deliberately. But you missed it. You felt like you didn't see it even in the rewatch. I mean, I just... I know Roman's got weird sexual proclivities, but I didn't think he was attracted yeah. to Mencken. And then it, I guess the fascist presidential candidate could be secretly gay, but I also wasn't thinking about that. There was a lot of closeness. I mean, in putting two people in a bathroom, two men in a bathroom like that is a little strange. And it, it comes up again in the next episode, but there's not, but there, but this one felt like they were, amplifying it a bit more than in the next one in the next one it was there's clearly none well lucas is out of roman's league but we'll get to that shortly. like like maze said <laughs> it's like yeah we know roman has has weird intimacy issues but like there's been nothing to give off i mean if anything it's like he, he can't really be intimate or like perform when time comes with anyone <laughs> it was more like they were teasing the possibility playing around this tension that might be existing between the two of them because as you know roman pretty much up to do whatever it takes say whatever it takes do whatever it takes to make a deal happen Mankin grabs a coke gives it to logan heard you were looking for one that knocks a smile loose Roman tells Logan that while they were looking for a milk cow, they found a fucking T-Rex. He's box office. Fucking diesel. Viewers will eat from his hand. No downside. Yeah, let's just invade Poland, Dad. No downside. Roman parrots, shivs words, back at her in gibberish. They can't lose the ATN dollar machine. Need cash to fight tech and buy Gojo. Logan is just smiling and staring at Carrie, who is smiling back. Shiv's tantrum comes to a boil. My opinion counts for more. It just fucking does. People hate him. They fucking hate this guy. So cringe. You have to look at the climate. 
climate said I was going down. Climate said I should just step aside. I guess I'm a climate denier. Uh, I'm sorry, this is how it happens? Good night. Dad? Dad, come on, he's just, he's fucking dangerous. Definitely fucking. Looks like your pulling was off again, Shiv. This climate denier line was masterclass. It was a perfect line that sums up where Logan's at and also just throws shade at the entire political conversation of this whole episode. Genius writing. Great music when it kicks in. <laughs> excellent, excellent way to end the episode. And Carrie and Logan go to the bedroom to get it on. It seems like it. It seems like it for sure. <laughs> the next morning at breakfast, Tom tells Greg he looked like he was having a whale of a time flying on the wings of white power. Did it feel good as the fascist hoisted you aloft like the Stanley Cup? Peckus is backing Mankin. Let's see if this horse can run. Shiv tells Salgado she couldn't seal the deal. And then she doesn't want to take a picture with Mankin. Logan asks if she's part of the family. So Shiv backpedals to, I'm not going to stand next to him. You win, Pinky. He tells Roman they did a good job. They take the photo. Credits. Oh, thank God that episode is over. Yeah, Eden's relieved <laughs> that we're done reliving the political nightmare. <laughs> and you, may, <laughs> you didn't even abbreviate it. <laughs> no. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I, when I went back, I was like, "There's a lot here." Yeah, there was a lot, and I, like I said, I did enjoy it the second time around. And being armed with more context, being aware, being more aware of who the characters are in front of you know meeting them, I, I found was really helpful. But I agree. I thought the writing was great. Um, you know, that said, I was a little disengaged the first go around and, and there's, this been a, a weird thing about this season. It's like this almost sense of like, well, where are we and where are we going? I, I felt really, I, it reminds me a bit of more of season one than it does of season two, the experience of this season, because I, I found season two to be so satisfying. And I think a lot of people found season two to be an uptick from season one. And it could, you know, I just... So I'm, I just I've got that sense now of where are we and what what are we going after, you know? Because everything keeps changing, and some of the things feel a bit arbitrary, like we've talked about. Um, not that in isolation the performances aren't great, the writing's not great. These things are all happening at a very high level, but how is it all going to come together? I wonder. It was in looking at the next episode that I realized that there's only nine episodes. What? Which is pretty jarring. I know it's only one less, but that feels like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. Yeah. The second half plot is Gojo. That's what it's become. I had no idea. I thought I just assumed it was a 10 episode season. All right. So that, that, that puts, um, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, essentially though, all they don't really have finales in the traditional sense. It's more like we're setting you up for next season and the finale is going to happen the next season. And then we'll pivot in another direction. But there's never, they're just going to drag this shit on forever. <laughs> Eating so done right now. I love it. Part of me, like, uh, you know, after watching 
like I talked, we talked about the demolition of Shiv's confidence and and her kind of taking the place in the family of Kendall because Kendall is really on the outside now. There can be no succession because he just builds one person up to knock them down. That's what I'm saying. Kill the man off. Right, which is a fun, and, and, and that's a theme that's going to crop yeah. up in the next episode, big time, right? Since day one, God. But nobody other than Kendall wants to chop the head off the monster, unless Shiv is getting there. Shiv might be getting there. All right, who shit the bed? Ha! Ha! So as you can see, the mystery of who pooped the bed has been solved. Shiv. Shitting the bed. Kendall and Shiv both took Shiv. huge yeah. dumps this episode, guys. Major L's. Major L's. Back-to-back episodes, actually. Shiv and Kendall are pretty much running parallel now. One outside, one inside, right? But kind of on very similar trajectories, because no matter what they do, I mean, even Shiv, no matter how successful she is, she's getting shit on. I mean, Roman's getting all the acclaim right now, internally. Yeah, I think Kendall loses big picture because this episode made it exceedingly clear that he's going to lose the Mm -hmm. public case, Mm -hmm. the DOJ Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. But I think Shiv really took it across the face in this episode, saying that her opinion mattered more and just getting ignored getting stiff-armed and i mean look it starts right at the get-go as soon as she gets in the car and then she's demolished in the hotel and then she has to eat it in the lobby and he tells her she won Mm -hmm. (laughs) just rubbing it in (laughs) she couldn't even get out of the photo who is our number one boy you're my number one boy logan back to full strength roman Creeping on the come up or Mankin for emerging as a dark horse candidate to now the front runner to be president. I don't know if we know enough about Mankin to give him that. I think you got to give it to Roman this episode. But Jake, it's who won this episode, not who wins in the long run. Well, yeah, I just don't know what it means, though, yet. You know, I mean, he could be a diversion for all we know in the end. But you're right. Uh, But I'll still give it to Roman because he's the deal maker in the episode. Eden, do you concur? Yeah, just because everyone else took major L's. Like it's hard to hard to come up with another person to win. And like I said, I only paid like sixty five percent attention this episode. So <laughs> Connor was so close. So close. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, Connor's sitting there devastated on the couch at the yeah. end. He doesn't even say a yeah. word. You know, it's like he's like belly out like post Thanksgiving dinner. Heading into nap mode, but more like depression. But more like depression. That's funny. But in many ways, Connor was a winner in this episode because the concept was actually taken seriously. Right. That's true. And he's actually got momentum. Yeah. Because for the first time, he's getting support from his father, just even as a notion. And he's in the room. He's in the room. He's in the room where it happens to reference Hamilton. Oh, well done. Well done. Well done, Mays. And that's an achievement in itself. Exactly. In some ways, you could look at at Connor as a winner. Maybe just one little trip up to Pound Ridge with Willa. (laughs) He's in the game, you know? He might be a vice option. Could be a vice option for me. Wow. What a ticket. (laughs) But yeah, Roman, 
closed the deal. He got his candidate. He rubbed it all over Shiv's face. It was a win for him. Yeah. All right. Well, we won't see you next week. We'll see you today in the next episode. <laughs> we'll see you like right now. <laughs> of Succession. <laughs>